Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast. We promised that we would be back in less than seven days. So here we are with this week's episode. Misila, what's happening? Yeah, Kunal, I just saw that video where a journalist at Davos didn't recognize Nico Rosberg and asked Rosberg to identify himself while the camera was rolling. Did you see it? Yes, uh, I saw that video as well. I did feel bad for Nico but hey, guess what? Not everyone watches Formula One, despite, you know, Liberty Media telling us that there are billions of viewers or millions of viewers around the world. And I must say, though, on a very serious note, that Nico Rosberg handled that moment with much calmness. That's true. He actually flashed his ID card and it said Formula One world champion. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what, I actually half expected him to say Formula One's most famous YouTuber or something like that. <laughs> it could have been, it could have been. But I almost thought that he'd go on and then tweet a picture of that journalist, you know, with that famous meme with the question, is this journalist's career <laughs> over? <laughs> Yes, we are being mean to Nico Rosberg, but guys, we love him. We celebrated his win in 2016. And we actually love how he's doing all these different things in life. Uh, You know, sort of, uh, you know, a bucket list of things. Uh, He tested the Ferrari Monza, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and then he made a video of it and put it up on his YouTube channel. Frankly, I have no idea what his end game is. But, you know, if I were actually him, I would just go chill at his wife's ice cream parlor in Ibiza. Which I'm sure he does, Kunal, time and time again. Uh, Incidentally, the parlor is called Vivi's Creamery, apparently. Yes, you would, of course, know because you probably love ice cream, (laughs) I'd say. I do. But Kunal, it's that part of the episode where we have to share something surprising about ourselves with our listeners. So what do you want our listeners to know about you today? You know, by now, I have made a mental list of things that I can say throughout 2020. So you remember to ask me this question. I will. Every episode. In this episode, I would like for you guys to know that I served the Sea Cadet Corps for about six years and while it may not seem so, sailing is actually my first sport, the first sport I fell in love with. Yeah, guys, we've had a lot of sunset sails in the Mumbai Harbour, thanks to Sailor Kunal. Yes, you're welcome. (laughs) And what's the one thing that you would like to share with our listeners? Yeah, uh, guys, I never served with the Sea Cadet Corps and uh, I don't think I intend to anytime soon, but my father did actually, so I guess that counts. Yeah, (laughs) for those of you wondering, no, his... His service and my service didn't overlap, no. (laughs) Thank God. And uh, yeah, guys, Formula One is my sport. Uh, MotoGP comes second, but it's always Formula One. Right. So in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast, we are going to speak about a lot of things. The first one being, of course, about Lance Stroll and his investments. And I'm pretty sure, you know, it's going to be very soon before there's an announcement that Lance Stroll to buy Formula One from Liberty Media. Right. 
I can't wait. <laughs> but Kunal, you know what I want to talk about is the Drive to Survive season two. Uh, uh, it's going to be just a few weeks away now. The official date has been confirmed is twenty eighth of February. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. I'm just like falling over all my words. Yeah. I, I, first, first thing, I don't know why they thought of twenty eighth of February because February actually has twenty nine days. In case they forgot. Yeah. Stop but, being all technical. No, but but okay. But this is also why they're doing twenty eighth of February. It's probably well planned because it is the last day of the preseason test so it's like okay from testing you go on to netflix and you wait till the season starts you know in mid march yeah right it feels like that because uh this month we have preseason testing of course the car launches netflix it literally feels like february is where formula 1 has li- literally returned into our lives excuse me but formula 1 never left my life in the winter months either right and you guys are proof because We had lots of episodes. We had episodes all the way through the off season, uh, a lot of fun episodes as well. And I think my favorite was the Inside Line F1 parody awards. Yeah, that was really fun. But you know what I mean? Uh, there's so much more for us to just observe and discuss and all that since the sport is officially back. Uh, in fact, Kunal, you know the first thing that I really want to discuss are these rumors about Lewis Hamilton's Mercedes contract hitting a bump, and uh, the whole uh, buyout of Mercedes by Wolf and Stroll? Absurd, but could be right. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, after all, like the Stroll buyout of Aston Martin that got confirmed just a few days ago, and I don't think a lot of people saw that one coming. Yeah, I think I'm going to run a poll on Twitter and on our Facebook page. So it's the Inside Line F1 podcast on Facebook. The poll is going to be very simple. What year do you think Lance Stroll, sorry, Lawrence Stroll, will <laughs> end up buying Formula One from Liberty Media? Will it be twenty twenty six, twenty twenty eight? Or twenty thirty. I have no affinity for even numbers, but those were the years that just came out of my I mouth. I am interested to see what our listeners think. What do you think? I'm going to go with twenty twenty eight. Okay, I know you guys think that we are really crazy talking about Lawrence Stroll taking over Formula One, but he is actually the single most interested investor in the sport, right? So first, he bought his son a seat at Williams some three or four years ago, and before he actually bought that seat, he bought lands. A, a, an extensive testing program, you know, in one of the older Williams cars, right? Then he went and he bought Lance, a racing team, and this was in the middle of 2018, as you guys know. Now, of course, he's bought Aston Martin, and he's gotten them to commit. To a Formula One team operation. I mean, it's fantastic, right? Lawrence Stroll did what Liberty Media couldn't. He got a new manufacturer team to the sport. It's it's insane. Absolutely, and he is fueling Formula One's obsession for works teams. Even more so, and he should, right? Because that's what we all want to see: great brands competing. And Kunal, uh, since we're on the topic, I must add that Lawrence Stroll could still end up purchasing Mercedes with Toro Wolff. It is, if it is available, that is. Yes, it is a rumor, guys. But if this does happen, uh, I think Lawrence Stroll will be only the second person on the planet to own two Formula One teams, right? Mr. Red Bull Racing and Mr. Toro Rosso, same guys, Mr. Dietrich. He set a precedent in the past. Yeah, and in Kunal, you know, since we're talking about all this, my brain is just literally on overdrive, and I'm thinking of all the possibilities just in case uh, Lawrence Stroll buys Mercedes and makes it his primary team, and you know, Racing Point becomes the B team, you know, like Red Bull Racing, Alpha Tauri, that kind of model. Interesting. I never thought yeah. of it that way. I think but, it would go very well. Yeah, but you know, for those of you still tuned in and wondering, oh my God, are these guys drunk? 
you know, Lawrence Stroll, he's just put in his money to buy Racing Point and then Aston Martin. Why would he spend millions to buy Mercedes? You know, even more so. So here's here's my view, right? So uh, he bought Racing Point for Lance, a midfield team, you know, where the occasional podium would be possible, but no race wins and definitely not a championship battle, at least at the moment, right? So this is where he he believes that Racing Point is for Lance. And Racing Point and Lance's capabilities, I'm not sort of trying to speculate on either of them, but that's the reality of the sport, right? But what he probably is eyeing uh, with Mercedes is a team for himself, you know? He wants to go and own a race and a championship winning team, let his son stroll around at uh, Racing Point while he goes and hires a Lewis Hamilton to win him world championship glory. Yeah, and I guess it's only easier with Formula 1's expected cost controls from 2021. But... Anyway, Mercedes leaving uh, and Stroll and Dietrich owning, what, four teams between themselves? That isn't going to be very good for the sport's political balance. That'll be crazy, right? Because Ferrari also sort of own or manage Sauber in whatever way. So that'll be like crazy amount of political imbalance, Exactly. And Kunal, I'm also wondering that if Lawrence Stroll does end up owning, I don't know, Mercedes racing point, you know, the whole A and B team team structure that I talked about. I wonder if Lance Stroll will ever get promoted to the A team. <laughs> you know, Lance is just lucky that it there isn't the helmet Marco managing the hiring and firing of drivers for racing point. I know, right? I mean, I can't believe it. But 2020 is Lance Stroll's fifth season in Formula One. It is actually going to be old guard versus new blood. That's going to be the headlines that will dominate Formula One in the new decade that has started or will start next year. And I am not sure what spectrum Lance Stroll would fall under, but I guess nobody really cares about that. No, Right? But uh, before we move on, here's actually acknowledging Lawrence Stroll's investments and his acumen for the business of Formula One. And uh, like I said before, he is the single most interested investor in the sport right now. And I actually read about the Aston Martin Racing Point deal and it's structured similarly to the Alfa Romeo Sauber deal. Basically, they'll run the works team branding, uh, but the operations will be Racing Point for the first half of the deal. Interesting. Yes, and if all goes well with the uh, road car business of Aston Martin, there could be a chance for the team to actually be an Aston Martin team, you know, not just the branding, but in reality. Well, you know, I've read that Aston Martin has been saved from going bankrupt eight times in its history, right? So here's hoping hoping, hoping that this is a smart partnership and it does well for Lawrence, Aston, as well as for Racing Point. And uh, can you imagine, Sergio Perez will finally be a works team driver. That's that's actually something that we've not spoken about. He but is very lucky. For all his talent and for all that he's missed out on, especially in this old guard, new blood thing. Uh, we discussed last episode that how drivers like Perez and Ricardo are sort of missing out on the opportunities that come. But, uh, you know, great stuff. So let's move on. Uh, Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes. And we keep reading uh, rumors that uh, Hamilton's contract extension talks with Mercedes have sort of hit a bump uh, because he's seeking a four-year extension while Mercedes are interested in extending just for two years. Then we saw Lewis Hamilton issue some uh, clarifications on Instagram. Hours before he recorded, there was a statement that February is the month of love is when Lewis and (laughs) Mercedes will decide on their love for each other for the future and all of that, right? But uh, let's just see how it goes, right? If it's February, we'll we'll know before the start of 2020. I, I hope so. 
And uh, Lewis Hamilton is also, in my view, the leader of this old guard. That ah, I like how you're building that up. Yeah, he's also like leading, of course, Sebastian Vettel definitely as well. Uh, and the likes of Ricardo Perez, like I spoke earlier. And I'm sure he wants to sort of prove that the old guard is... You know, still Very there. Much yeah, and and still, you know, ruling the roost in Formula One. And let's not forget Kimi Raikkonen if he stays on, of course. Of course, I knew you were yeah. going to slam that name. Yeah, of in. course. And Kunal, I have to say that my liking for Lewis Hamilton has actually increased a little bit, because Hamilton said that he would personally pay Kimi Raikkonen to remain in Formula One. <laughs> he said that. Yes, we love Lewis Hamilton. Yes, we love you very much. And we much. love Kimi Raikkonen. Yes, and we'd never like to see Kimi Raikkonen retire ever, ever. ever. Yes. But uh, for those of you wondering whether teams should actually hire younger drivers over the older ones, David Coulthard had an interesting perspective to share. He said that, uh, you know, as drivers get older, they might not get faster, but they definitely get wiser and that sort of helps them perform better. Kunal, you know, I must say that out of all the former F1 drivers, good old DC is one of the few who actually offers sound advice every time he speaks. No way. All along, I thought it was just Jacques Villeneuve who offered <laughs> the most sound advice, followed by Eddie Irvine. But... Oh dear. I remember we had interviewed DC for our podcast way back in 2015, I think. Wow, yes. Uh, yes, and back then he'd also shared a lot about his rivalry with Michael Schumacher and his partnership with Mika Hack and at McLaren. It was so interesting. Yes, you guys are actually very welcome to tune in to the David Coulthard special on our podcast. Just go to our channel on whatever app you're listening to us on and just search for David Coulthard and our podcast will probably be one of the top It's a hits. great episode, guys. Uh, yes. And talking of old guard and still giving insight and one old guard which may, we may never see return to Formula 1, Fernando Alonso. He has given some insight on how he sees the whole Bottas versus Hamilton battle at Mercedes. And he said that at a race when uh, Mercedes wasn't the best car, Hamilton would still finish second, but Bottas would be fifth or sixth at best. That's a good point. And Kunal, I actually really liked that interview of Fernando Alonso's. Uh, he spoke of Lewis Hamilton's weaknesses, and he didn't actually disclose what those weaknesses were, according to him. But he said that he wanted to be the one challenging Hamilton and just, you know, test him on those weaknesses. You know, frankly, as much as I would love to see a, an Alonso back and battle with Hamilton and Fettel and Verstappen and Leclerc and all these drivers, it is Alonso's much, much discussed uh, weaknesses, why he isn't going to be challenging pretty much anyone in Formula One. And right now, he's a free agent in Formula One, guys. But at the moment, at least publicly, no team has even expressed interest in signing him on. Can you yeah. imagine? I, I couldn't have believed it, you know, not too long ago. But it really feels that, you know, uh, Fernando Alonso's clarifications about his jibes against Honda have just come too late. And I wonder if he's even realizing now how much they've damaged his career. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's been reported that Honda actually vetoed Fernando Alonso's drive with the Andretti Honda team for this year's Indy 500. Can you believe it? Like, they vetoed it. Oh, wow. And I, I so, sort of understand where they're coming from, you know. And for all you young racers listening out there, this is one massive learning in life. Never burn your bridges. Period. Dude, Kunal, uh, I think Fernando Alonso has not just burned his bridge, but he's literally gone and carpet bombed every single bridge <laughs> with every single manufacturer you can think of. What? Mercedes, Ferrari, Honda, the list could have some more as well. 
Well, Renault as well, who knows because of the whole match-fixing thing. But anyway, on a more serious note, Fernando Alonso is a great example on and off the track. Like just the way we celebrate his talent in a racing car, there's major learning in his off-track behavior as well. Yeah, basically do not piss off large car manufacturers who invest millions in motorsport because it's their money that racers go have fun racing with, right? Yeah, and I'm surprised that nobody ever told Fernando Alonso this. Nobody reminded him where his, you know, where his car, his performance, his salary, etc. was coming from, right? But anyway, enough of Fernando Alonso. On to Lewis Hamilton, the leader of the old guard in the paddock. I somehow like the sound of that. And that's got nothing to do with the fact that I'm in my mid-30s. But <laughs> <laughs> So Lewis Hamilton has said that he's going to perform like a machine in 2020. He just put out a picture on Instagram showing how he's like five kilos lighter than last year. And whether you're a Lewis Hamilton fan or not, let's just sit back and see what he could actually be capable of against the likes of Leclerc and Verstappen. Yeah, and mind you, Lewis Hamilton is still the driver to beat for Leclerc and Verstappen. I mean, and he may be so for many years into the new decade now. But, you know, have you actually heard of a Lewis Hamilton grandstand at any of the circuits? Um, Actually speaking, no, I haven't. And... Yeah, I mean, in fact, I know that Lance Stroll also has a grandstand to his name in Canada. I know that for a fact. Yes. <laughs> and now Leclerc has announced that Monaco and Monza will have grandstands bearing his name, correct? Yeah, so from someone yeah. who has been involved in the business of Formula One, I'm talking about myself, guys. Yes. <laughs> I, I really wonder if these grandstand naming rights actually have commercial obligations towards the drivers or they are purely marketing tactics by Liberty Media. Like, for example, if I were to buy a ticket in a Charles Leclerc grandstand in Monaco, does Charles actually get a percentage commission on the revenue from those seats? I don't know. Or is Charles paid like a flat fee by the circuit owners to use his name? You know, typical commercial considerations. Yeah, that does sound like a standard naming rights fee model. And, you know, even though I think that these naming rights may be given away for free, it's more like a gesture from Nicholas Todd to Liberty Media, not from the drivers, right? (laughs) He's probably more powerful than a few drivers in the paddock put together. And this is probably why we do not have a Lewis Hamilton grandstand yet. And the circuit owners, because they're anyway struggling to sell tickets. And then Kunal, imagine giving a a share of that revenue just away to a driver and the manager. Yes, and uh, I personally believe that these grandstand naming, uh, you know, ways are towards Liberty Media's efforts to build new heroes in the world of Formula One. That's what you do with, you know, hero worship, fan building and so on. But uh, Lewis Hamilton would have definitely said, I have enough fans, I do enough on Instagram. And if you're not paying me the millions, you can't use my name. And I think that's pretty fair, right? That's fair. Yeah, but that still doesn't explain to me why they have a Lance Stroll grandstand in Canada. (laughs) A lot of things about Lance Stroll don't make sense to me, (laughs) but okay. I I, I wonder if the Strolls actually went and paid money saying, here's some money, give me a stand to my name. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, a final point on this discussion uh, in this episode, and this is going to be a fun one actually. Now let's talk about Charles Leclerc's growing influence at Ferrari. Um, We know that he had his five-year extension with Ferrari, that is stale news. But Ferrari now have two Leclercs in their driver program. So there's Charles and there's also Charles' younger brother, Arthur, and he's been signed on to the program as well. I ran a Twitter poll on my Twitter handle asking if Ferrari could ever have a Leclerc-Leclerc partnership. And you know how Honda sort of have Marquez versus Marquez uh, in MotoGP this year. 
and the answers to the leclerc versus leclerc poll were actually very disappointing Aww. most of my followers believe that a leclerc leclerc partnership at ferrari will never happen and i've learned in formula 1 and in life never to say never yeah. ever but, right but kunal i must say that i think everyone's just waiting for a a mick schumacher charles leclerc partnership at ferrari so i don't blame them yeah and in all of this leo turini the inside uh, you know the insider from ferrari he's gone around and said that fettel's extension is almost a done deal and uh, sort of bringing back the old guard versus new blood battle back in focus and i'd love to see fettel's Yeah, uh, you know, uh, contract be extended and s- see if he can actually rise up to the occasion. It's been three seasons. We've been waiting for a resurrection. It's not come yet. Who knows what twenty twenty has in 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 uh, in store for him? Yeah, Kunal, I think I'm tempted to agree with you that I am siding with the old guard in twenty twenty because I don't quite think that their time in Formula One is done yet. Absolutely, and I'm already siding with the old guard. You know, it's like. like i said before hamilton single handedly wants to the wants to prove to the teams that jumping on this you know high young drivers bandwagon isn't the only way forward right and in this battle let's really hope that drivers like ricardo and perez don't miss out on their dues it's like you know literally formula 1 could end up skipping an entire generation of drivers who've been biding their time for a big team opportunity to come and i really hope that doesn't happen that would be a real pity and guys on that note that brings us to the end of this wonderful episode and we hope you all had a great time laughed a lot listening to us and we'll be back very soon with the next episode of the inside line formula 1 podcast adios adios Look in your home. Look in your office. Look in your home office. Everywhere you turn, there's so much smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. Our game-changing FlexPath format puts you in control of your master's degree, so you can learn how, when, and where you want. Smart, huh? Yeah, we think so too. So if you want to take the next step in your career, make Capella your first step. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter.